You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of the Wisconsin Sports Heroics podcast on the Packernet Podcast Network. My name is Sam Holman. I'm here with my co-host McQuaid. McQuaid, how are you doing? I'm doing outstanding. Glad to be back for another episode, another week. This has been awesome so far. Yeah, and we got a bit of news to go over this week. Uh, earlier today, uh, news came out that Alan Lazard it would be signing his restricted free agent tender. Um, it was just coming up on the deadline, June 15th, for that before uh, it decreased by quite a large amount. Um, now, with him signing it today, he is uh, he has a $3.986 million contract. It would have gone down to $935,000, so quite a big drop off if he had waited waited until June fifteenth. So apparently, he just wanted to skip uh, some of the off season training programs, right? So I don't know, maybe he had some family event or something that he wanted to that wanted to go to, but he is uh, officially under contract with the Packers. I think that that so by right now this recording is it's tomorrow, but I think by by the time some people might listen to this, it might be the day of or even you hear the news already. But tomorrow is going to be the Packers' last open OTAs practice, and it's going to be the the opportunity after practice uh, for reporters to go in the locker room, and he's going to be one of the first people they talk to and ask, you know, what what was the mindset, what was the the plan all along, what you know, what kind of took yeah. so long. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what, see what he says, you know, if he's very vocal about the fact that he wants a long-term contract, um, you know, do great as Green Bay, try to get it done. Is it, is it halfway through the season and he has, you know, 40 catches, 800 yards and, and throw four touchdowns as putting together a pretty good season. Does Green Bay then pull the trigger and, and, and get the long-term contract done with a guy who's halfway through the season proving he can be the number one wide receiver. So it, it's going to be, it, it's going to be uh, uh, very intriguing to see what he says tomorrow. I'm definitely going to be looking for, you know, the, the reports on what he says. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I was, I, we, we talked about it a couple of times and I don't think we had really reached the point where, you know, we were worried about it. Um, but it's still nice to, you know, get, get him in the fold, get him under contract. Right. Cause even though the Packers, they, I, I think that they were going to go into this season kind of doing a wide receiver by taking a wide receiver by committee approach. He was still, still going to be a really important part of their offense. So it's, it's definitely a relief uh, even if it's just small to, Get, get him in there, get him on a contract. Yep, 100%. Yeah, and then the only other bit of, not not really news, but I, I wrote an yeah. article recently. I was able to talk to a physical therapist, a physical therapist assistant who has worked with uh, sports injury rehabilitation, um, worked with ACLs, and she was able, she gave a little bit of her thoughts on bacteria's injury um now obviously she's not in the room she doesn't know what's going on with the surgery exactly but just from her experience um and kind of what she's gathered based on his injury um her opinion was that the the recovery that we've seen like this this extended recovery where it's kind of coming on 20 months or thereabouts might be that might be the number it 
reaches when around the start of the regular season. That's not necessarily abnormal, just given the nature of in, his injury, where he injured both his um, his ACL and then uh, his meniscus. Or I'm sorry, yeah, ACL and meniscus. Um, and then also had that that swelling, that um, irritation go up in his knee where they had to uh, drain fluids from it multiple times. Um, just that all that building on it, uh, building on each successive step that all of that combined really makes it so that this this the length of this recovery is not abnormal in her opinion. So, you know, just. If you want to look, if anyone wants to look that up on Wisconsin Sports Heroics, um, it's just I just titled it "Don't Panic" about uh, David Bakhtiari. But it, it was kind of a, a bit of a relief, right, to just hear someone who's worked with those kind of kind of injuries. Obviously, like I said, not necessarily doesn't necessarily know all the details, but just kind of get kind of give her thoughts on that. I think that that that's going going forward, right? Um, you know, I think that that Green Bay. It's it's safe to assume that that they're just playing it safe with their mm-hmm. one of their most uh, yeah their, their most probably their arguably most important offensive player outside of Aaron Rodgers uh, now that now that Devontae Adams is gone uh, and they're just playing it safe with him right now if he the where where I will draw the line is if when if late July gets here an actual training camp is going and he is is anything but you know full participant in in those practices that's when I'm gonna start. Uh, getting a little concerned because, like you said, that's gonna be 20 months since the injury. You know, per the, the the quote unquote average person, nine to 12 months to recover from an ACL. Yeah. Um, you know, 18 months is is kind of on the longer end. So then you're pushing 20 months. So obviously, there's people out there that did a lot more research than me and you have on on ACLs. But uh, from everything that we've seen in the past, if you're if you're sitting at that 20 month mark and you're still kind of in the rehab group. Uh, the, I think it may be a little bit, little bit cause for concern as far as you know, week one availability. Yeah, but at, at the very least, we kind of know that it, up to this point, at least, there hasn't been something. There, there's not necessarily something that's catastrophically gone wrong with as of right now. Exactly, there's no reason to worry. It's just knowing what to look for in the future. Which yeah, the end of July. Start. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, and then the last topic we were going to touch on um, was just positional battles, right? There are a couple interesting ones. Um, so I don't know, McQuaid, I guess I forgot to discuss this with you before we started, but um, if you want to go over a couple that you were you were considering that you're look, going to be looking at as a training camp and preseason kind of start, um, what, what are you going to be looking at uh, in those events or as the offseason goes on? Uh, I think so. One of my favorites is going to be the position battle between Jaron Reed and Devontae White. Mm, yeah. Um, opposite Kenny Clark. We're going to see now uh, what, what makes it really interesting, I think, is, is that we could very well see a lot of both of them, Jaron Reed and Devontae White, on the field, uh, if not at the same time, uh, just rotating out opposite Kenny Clark. Now, obviously, Kenny Clark's going to get breaks here and there. Uh, but it's, it's going to be it's going to be huge, right, to see this defensive line rotate between three hopefully starting caliber players, right? From all signs, pointing Devontae Wyatt's going to be kind of a player that you can come in and just plug into almost like a defense and be an anchor on the defensive line, right? So you got Kenny Clark, Jaron Reed, who Jaron Reed, who in, in of himself is proving he's, he's a starter in this league. And then obviously Kenny Clark, top five defensive tackle in, in the NFL. That's going to be your rotation instead of, right, rotating out Kenny Clark and then just throwing in TJ Slayton or Dean Lowry right now. Don't get me wrong, Dean Lowry has kind of been that tankless player for years now. Yeah. Fans don't really, may not appreciate more, as much as he should. However, 
the drop-off from Kenny Clark to Dean Lowry can't be overestimated, right? And on top of that, I mean, TJ Slayton, there's been a big, you know, what if about this kid for, for years. Um, it is going to be very, very, very fun to watch the front of this defensive line, in my opinion, in my, my um, estimation, not be pushed back consistently, right? They're going to consistently hold that line, in my opinion, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun watching to see who at the end of the season, you know, if, it, if it's Kenny Clark, you know, 50% of the snaps and then Jaron Reed and Devontae White 25 and 25, I wouldn't be surprised. And then even towards the end of the year, if it starts to, to, to uh, even out to 33, 33, 33 between all three of those guys, as far as percentage goes for, for how much they're playing, uh, I wouldn't be that surprised. I think that, that Green Bay has a real chance of having a lethal, lethal defensive tackle rotation this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, those are both guys I'm really excited about, see what they can contribute to the defensive line. This feels like the the deepest defensive line we've had in a while, right? I think that, you know, with those guys, with TJ Slayton, hopefully he takes a jump. Dean Lowry was good last year, and then obviously Kenny Clark. That's a that's a deep rotation. And then you throw in guys that, you know, could contribute, right? Jack Heflin was making some noise in t- uh, camp and preseason last year. Jonathan Ford is a massive, massive defensive lineman that they picked up in the seventh round. So so there's there's a lot of you know there there are a lot of people that I'm going to be watching just like you said kind of seeing where where they line up obviously defensive line is uh, one of the most rotated position groups in the NFL or in the professional football and so you know all of those guys can make a contribution but it's going to be really interesting to see you know who's starting who's getting the most time just keeping an eye on that and then obviously who's on the field in obvious run situations obvious pass situations where they're designated pass rushers at those positions. It's just going to be really interesting to watch. Like you said, um, sticking on the defensive side, uh, one position group I'm going to be watching is safety, right? Well, from what we've heard, it sounds like Sean Davis is rotating as the third safety in the Packers defense. Obviously that's not going to be as important now that they've got, um, they've got Quay Walker at, at that second linebacker position. They're probably going to keep him and Devondre on the field more rather than rotating in a third safety. But, you know, that's still something I want to you know, keep an eye on, right? Vernon Scott, you know, there was, there was, there's been some buzz about him on and off through, throughout his career in Green Bay, though it hasn't really turned out, you know. But I want to watch, you know, can he compete with Sean uh, Sean Davis, you know, who's going to, who's going to be in that position. Cause they're going to, they're going to get on the field at some points. I think even if the Packers are going to primary play in nickel. I think that, that not only right. Is Sean Davis going to be extremely important to this defense, uh, but he's going to be extremely important in situational football, right? Quay Walker is going to be on the field. I think a lot throughout the season, uh, especially in passing situations, because he's shown that he can play that in college as long as it, that that somewhat translates to the NFL, which obviously that's not guaranteed. Uh, but if it does, it's be something that the Green Bay can utilize on, on on almost all downs, right? But in obvious passing situations, uh, you're going to want that third safety on the field. So that means that when Sean Davis is on the field, it's going to be a need situation, and and he's got to come in and and, and contribute. Uh, but you're right, you know, having Quay Walker is going to allow. Which is which is awesome, you know. But it but it's crazy to think about the fact that a, a linebacker that we drafted is going to help our safeties out. But that's the kind of athlete that Quay Walker is, and we've seen that already. We saw it in college. Yeah, yeah. And so, what was another uh, position group you were going to keep an eye on? Uh, I mean, I'm I've, I've got to be honest with you. One of my favorites is going to be wide receiver all all year long. I think that's going to be one of the um, most watched position battles in the entire NFL. Not even just just you know for Green Bay. 
uh, Packers fans, but it's going to be for analysis, you know, watching. I think that Sammy Watkins has a real chance of being wide receiver one. I think that um, Alan Lazard has a real chance of being wide receiver one to eight. You know what I mean? I think that it, or one B, how, however you want to word it. Um, the, the, the more the season goes on, the more I hear Sammy, or I can say season, the more OTAs go on, the more I hear these interviews being talked, the more Sammy Watkins acknowledges the situation that he's in. Um, Sammy Watkins is in is in kind of that 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 contract year type of thing. Yeah, that's not really what we what we pictured when when we signed him. But but he wants to come in and show that he can be the guy. So he wants to show he he acknowledged in an interview that he his his career hasn't panned out what he did want it to be. He was a top what top ten top five pick whatever it was, and and he definitely has not had the career that that would re- replicate that. Uh, on top of that, Al Lazard, from all signs, right, is is as hungry as ever to come in and be that wide receiver one in Green Bay. Um, and those two guys battling out for that number one wide receiver spot, I think, is going to create extremely healthy and extremely beneficial competition for for the Packers um, and their wide receiving core, right, right, or the right their passing game in general all offseason. And then obviously you've got the storyline of Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson and Randall Cobb and and then Amari Rogers. There's a ton of storylines to watch in this position group. And, it's gonna, and we're going to see it all year long. We're going to see players step up that we didn't necessarily expect or, or some players not perform, you know, that we maybe did, did expect to perform. Um, this is going to be one that we watch all year long. And then on top of that, how Matt LaFleur schemes open these guys, right? The way Christian Watson is schemed open, the way Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard are, are schemed open, we're really going to see Matt, uh, Matt LaFleur work and, and show what he can do in the offensive side of the ball and see these guys – not only win via scheme, but also he's going to give these opportunities to win just vertical, just vertical, go get it. You know what I mean? And, and, and rely on your, your God-given ability to go get the football and, and make a play. Um, this is going to be one of the funnest position groups. I think it's going to create some of the best position battles in the entire NFL. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's that's another position that's big, um, not only on offense, but also special teams, right? Who's going to be the returner for punts and kickoffs, right? Who's going to be who are going to be the gunners? So that's that's a that's a that's a good one. I'm going to be keeping an eye on that as well. Um, another one, just going back to the defense, um, I'm going to be keeping an eye on who's the who the backup edge rushers are, because last year what Joe Barry tended to do is he would rotate in his backup edge rushers, you know, for whole for drives at a time, usually, except if they got to third down and long where usually he would put in Preston and Rashawn. So that was, those are important positions, right? They're, they're playing a pretty significant number of snaps. And so I want to see is Jonathan Garvin, is he going to be able to keep his spot? He was basically their, their third and fourth edge rusher uh, last year, um, depending on who else they had available. But um, is he going to still be able to stick in the rotation? How is uh, J.J. Anabari, uh, Kingsley Anabari, going to do? Will uh, Tipa Nalier be able to make an impact, right? They, we saw some flashes from him, especially in, like, run defense. He had some nice moments in that uh, – the first Vikings game, I believe it was. Um, will Ladarius Hamilton be able to do anything, right? We haven't really seen anything from him. Uh, there's been some buzz building around Randy Ramsey. Uh, he's coming back from an injury. He was an important special teams contributor, uh, not this past year, but the year before that. So obviously he missed this past year with injury. So that's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Again, that's another position, like, like a lot of these positions where it's kind of, we're not talking about starters. We're talking about backups where uh, an important part of their contribution is going to come on special teams. So that that's something I'm definitely interested in. I've, you know, I, I really like watching the defensive line, watching edge rushers. So that's just something I'm naturally going to be keeping an eye on, but especially this year with uh, how important those uh, third and fourth edge rushers are going to be. I think it's going to be cool to not only watch Kingsley and Gabari do his thing. However, Quay Walker, how they choose. Mm, yeah. That guy is a freak animal. That's why they drafted him where they did. Um, and if you get a package to, to blitz him and, and still leave Devonder Campbell, who's one of the best coverage linebackers in the entire NFL last year, out there to cover in the event that it's a pass, go get him. Have Quay Walker just go get the guy. And and you have Rashawn Gary and, and then yeah. obviously – President Smith, it's gonna. There's gonna be a lot of fun packages we see for the pass rush in general. But, but yes, I agree with you. Those that 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 backup uh, edge rusher spot is gonna be widely, widely watched and packed in this offseason. Yeah. Uh, did you have another one? Yep. So as far as not necessarily position battle, right? But Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, the running game. Um, yeah. I don't know if there is a a a top ten running back, and I think that Aaron Jones can safely be considered top ten running back in the NFL. Maybe, you know, haters, quote unquote, have, have him lower. <laughs> Packers fans may have him closer to top five. All in all, I think he averages out to a top 10 running back. I think it's a pretty safe assumption. I don't know if there's yeah. a top 10 running back in the entire NFL and maybe the history of the NFL, or at least for a long time, who's had, quote unquote, in jeopardy of losing his job <laughs> or losing reps more than Aaron yeah. Jones. And what's crazy, that's not a slight on Aaron Jones at all. AJ Dillon is an absolute monster. If you saw any, any pictures from the, the charity baseball game yesterday? You saw how massive his legs are. They seem to grow every offseason. Um, <laughs> this, how we see the, 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 the snap count between these two uh, individuals is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Now, not only, right, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones just at, as running backs, 
But we're going to see, I think, Aaron Jones used as a just weapon in the offense this year. We saw him line out, line up in the slot a lot last year. Heck, we saw him just split out wide as a wide receiver last year and make plays at that position, right? So do we see Aaron Jones split out while A.J. Dillon's in the backfield? Do we see both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in the backfield at the same time a lot more than we have? Um, it's, it's obvious based on offseason transactions that is, Green Bay is probably going to be a little bit of a run-heavy team more than they were last year which yeah. just makes sense, and they have the personnel to do it. You know what I mean? How Green Bay uses Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And then we haven't even mentioned, you know, Kylan Hill, who is, who is all he does is score touchdowns. We saw that last year in the preseason, <laughs> early, in, early in the season. Um, how he goes back from his injury um, mm-hmm. and how he fits in. But going forward, right, these two running backs, you, you know, I don't, I don't really know if you want to try and compare – the, the the duo in in the in Cleveland, uh, of course, their names are escaping me at the moment. But Cream uh, uh, Hunt and Nick Chubb, I believe. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Yeah. Um, if you want to throw those two up there, you know, maybe those are the two that come. I don't know another running back duo who is as good as we have in the, in the entire NFL. Um, and and we have two starting caliber players at the position. I think that they can both be used at different positions. It. I am so stoked to see these two players on the field at the same time and how they utilize all year long. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I agree. I, I love watching both of them play. I mean, AJ Dillon is so fun to watch, just run guys over. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that as well. Um, for, for my last position battle, I'm going to go a little bit out of the box. I'm going to say kicker because the Packers uh, today, they actually brought in um, a, another kicker to compete with Mason Crosby. Uh, his name is Gabe Burchick. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that well. There's not a lot of vowels in there, um, but he was drafted, or I'm sorry, he wasn't drafted, but he, he's coming out of college, out of Oklahoma. Um, he was released from the Minnesota Vikings. The Packers picked him up on waivers. They're releasing uh, kicker Dominique Eberly. So this is pretty much a one-for-one replacement is that kicker competition for Mason Crosby. But um, Berkchick, I'm just going to go with that pronunciation. Um, he was, some people thought that he was in, in this past draft, he was a second best kicker behind LSU's Cade York. So this is, this is, I think a legitimate threat to Mason Crosby and he's a, you know, Mason struggled a lot last year. Obviously he's, you know, pretty much everyone loves him as a person. I think among Packers fandom, um, you know, some people, you know, my, myself included might, you know, think it's, it's time to move on. Just, he doesn't seem to have that same physical ability that he did. You know, I, I believe he was one of the worst in, in the NFL at getting touchbacks on kickoffs. Um, so they allowed a lot of kickoff returns when he was kicking, kicking the ball. Um, and then obviously the field goal woes are kind of self-evident, though some of that's obviously due to other elements of the special teams. But that, that's something I'm going to be watching because I, I think, like, like I said, with, with how well-regarded this other kicker is, he could, he could be a legitimate threat, a legitimate threat to, to Crosby. Um, you know, and and even if he's not, right, even if he's not, I think they're just bringing in guys that are going to challenge Crosby the most. I, I think that – I think we saw it, right? Um, it was 2012 or 2014 was was the other just horrible season for Mason yeah. Crosby. It was his only season in the NFL that was worse than last year. Every other season besides those two have been legitimately good, right? 80% or above or 75% or above in in, in, in uh, field goal rate, which is, which is good for the NFL, right? Last year it was low 70s, and I think too at 2012 or 2014 was like low high 60s. It was a bad year, right? Yeah. Anyways, and, and I remember that offseason they brought in a bunch of guys for competition, and, and Aaron Mason Crosby legit, legitimately won the job. 
And then he had one of the best years ever that following year, right? And then he had years of uh, of, of great success after that. Um, we, you know, you hope you hope that 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 that's what this offseason does again for Mason Crosby is you know light that fire in him, get him back. But you know now he's he's you know half a decade older, um, or, or even a full decade over older really. Um, you, you don't know how much longer he has. He's he's the all-time Packers leading scorer. He's a fan favorite. He's a Packers legend. He'll probably have his number retired. Um, yeah. He's, he's going to be someone that, that you, someone that Green Bay Packer Nation wants to see succeed, which is yeah. the, the tough part when he doesn't. But I think you're right. I think he's, they're just bringing in someone that's going to give Mason Crosby the best run for his money. And, and hey, if, if Gabe beats him out, Gabe Burchick beats him out, then, then he beats him out. But uh, I think there's a growing sense in Packer Nation that, that they're ready to move on from Mason Crosby. And, and we'll see you know, what happened this offseason and preseason. It, you know, it, it just continuously feels like it's it's Mason Crosby's job and it's bringing in these guys to compete for yeah. and make him better. You know what I mean? That, that's what it's felt like for years. But, you know, one of these seasons, it's got it, it's going to change. Time, mother or, or mother time is, is undefeated. Um, when, you, when you see eventually someone perform better for a consistent amount of time than your all-time franchise leading scorer, you're going to have to part ways. And, and you know, what, when that happens, it's, it's, it's not going to be, you know, fun for Packers fans, but it's going to yeah. be necessary eventually. Yeah, it's, it's very true. It's going to be tough to, you know, win. And if he goes, it's going to be tough to see him, see him retire or leave for another team. Uh, hope, hopefully not leave for another team. I prefer him to retire. Yeah. Right. And got, a, got a lot of respect for the guy. Yeah. Yep. Um, what was, were there any other position battles you wanted to touch on real quick? I mean, I think to be honest with you, I think the only other one that we're kind of missing is is uh, offensive line or or linebacker, and and um, you know linebacker is Devonta Campbell, and then everyone else, and um, we kind of hit on Quay Walker already. But you know, offensive line um, is, is the way that this offensive line looks at the beginning of the year is going to be way different than the end of the year. Whether yeah. or not David Bakhtiari starts Week One, whether I don't, I think it's guaranteed that Elton Jenkins does not start Week One. Yeah. I think Josh Myers does start Week One. Those are three legitimate starters: your left tackle, your Swiss Army knife. Elton Jenkins can play literally anywhere at an All Pro yeah. level, and then your starting center, Jane Josh Myers. All three of those guys are coming back this year, and that's insane to think about how well the offensive line performed last year, and then to get back with these three starting caliber players. Uh, so then you, you, you know, you really leave it up to those two other positions, whether, whether it's, you know, if, if Elton Jenkins plays right tackle and it's the two guard positions, whether it's Zach Tom and Sean Ryan, the two new rookies battling against Royce Newman and John Runyon uh, and, and, you know, whoever steps up beyond that. Um, Jake Hansen, the backup center who can play guard as well, has, has, has made some um significant, you know, strides and, and, and turning his head. But honestly, Aaron Rodgers had, had, a, had a pretty good quote. I think it was earlier this offseason. He mentioned that he's honestly just kind of forgot about the offensive line. And he means that in the most complimentary way possible. Yeah. Our, our offensive coordinator, Adam Senevich, have given him praise on this podcast. We've given him praise all offseason long. Uh, that he is an absolute wizard with the offensive line. I think he's going to find the right guy for the right job, the right week. We saw it all year last year. Um and, and while it's going to be a fun position battle and, and who starts week one is probably isn't who me or you would guess is the starting five right now. But I think that we're in probably the best hands possible with, with what yeah. we, Adam Senevich do. So while it is a definitely an, a, a position battle to watch, it's uh, honestly, I don't think this position battle to worry about, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, I, I think that, um, like like you said, Adam Senevich has earned the benefit of the doubt. Um, I think I, I started started believing this last year. Like, I'm not going to, you know, I might have my doubts about whatever moves he makes, but I'm just going to, you know, say, I'm just going to, at the end of the day, I'm just going to hold my hands up and say, you know, he knows a lot better than I do on what to do at the offensive line. He's shown that time and time again. Well, uh, this was a this was a great conversation. Um, thanks everyone for tuning into another episode. Uh, we should be back next week. Uh, again, this was the Wisconsin Sports Heroics podcast on the Packernet Podcast Network, and we will see you all later.